just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Monday. We're starting out another week. And things keep falling from the sky right on top of Donald Trump's head and the Republicans' heads. It's not looking good for them. There's a lot of bad things going on and some interesting things we can talk about. Now, this would be a podcast like any other podcast, except it's different for me. You may not notice the difference listening to the podcast, but for me, it's dramatically different. Normally, I would record the podcast from the same place in my uh, home in Minnesota. But right now, I'm in Georgia, just south of Savannah. Now, I've got a computer. I've got the same mic. Everything should sound the same, but it's a much different situation for me. So, if you hear some glitches in the show or noises or something, we've got some dogs around here. They may bark, but that doesn't bother me because I fucking love dogs. But just be aware, I'm in a different situation. The acoustics are different. Everything's different. But the show itself should be just the same. We're going to start out with some uh, um, emails. I've got a couple of them. This comes from Joseph. Good afternoon, Mike. I'm really enjoying your podcast. Thank you for inviting the Trumplican Brian on your show. He was a good sport about things, even though you tore him a new one over and over again. I'm sure he won't be riding a bicycle anytime soon. LOL. I hope everyone understands that the logic or statements made by Brian are typical in every discussion with Trumplifux. I've encountered it many times. Just calmly state the real facts and then let it sit there and move the conversation to the other things. A lot of these people are friends or family members, so there's that. I also enjoyed your guest, Brian Malloy, and the topic of Medicare. I turned 65 earlier this year and had to go through the whole process. I did purchase the supplemental insurance for 109 per month, and I'm now enjoying absolute best medical coverage ever in my life. I was really hoping that Brian would get more into how he envisioned the transition from our current system to Medicare for All, something I wholly advocate for. I love listening to Ed because his insights on various issues are eye-opening. His personal experiences and observations are awesome. And lastly, I've enjoyed every woman guest you've ever had on your podcast. It's impossible to fully appreciate and empathize with women in this country without listening to their stories. And these women have been so open about their personal lives and experiences, I'm sure that it was difficult for them. Keep up the great work, and sorry for the long email. Have an awesome day. That is Joe from California. And you know, he's right. Um, We've had some women on the show, and they've all been wonderful. The fact is, everybody who's been a guest on the show has done a great job. You know, whether it would be talking to the psychologist, uh, to Brian Malloy about Medicare, or you listeners that come on the show. I'm very fortunate that uh, when I bring people on the show that we've had some uh, very good people. And I've always said that all along. This isn't just about 
the rational boomer, meaning me. I'm not the rational boomer. I'm just one of many. And I have one set of insights and uh, opinions and such. But that doesn't mean that that's the only opinions or insights. That's why it's so refreshing to sit and talk to Ed or some of the other folks that have been on the program. So, Joe, I concur with you. The ladies that have been on the show have been wonderful. And now that I say that, I'll uh, suggest to the ladies in the audience that maybe you reach out. Come on the show. If you haven't been on the show yet, don't worry. It's not that hard. It's not rough. And uh, we would like you to participate, and the men too, for that matter. We're always happy to offer time to any of the listeners because you're just as important to this show as I am. And uh, we want to hear from you. So, Joe, thank you very much for the kind words and uh, reaching out. Now, this next one comes from TJ, and the headline is House Oversight Panel has begun receiving Trump financial documents after court settlement. He goes on to say, Mike, I can't wait for this information to come out. This is going to destroy the orange baboon and the Trumplifux. Have a great night, TJ. And he's right. It's going to have a significant effect on Donald Trump and the Republicans. And I have the story here as to what's happening. And uh, it's very interesting. This has been a long process. They've been trying to get Donald Trump's financials for some time. But he's always tried to delay it, distract, divert, whatever. He doesn't want anybody to see his financials. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, his financials will show that he's nowhere near as wealthy as he claims to be, certainly not a billionaire. You can't fail at every turn and be a billionaire. It just doesn't work that way unless somebody gives you a fucking billion dollars. And that's almost happened with the Russians and daddy and Saudi Arabia and such. But as far as earning and creating income for himself, yeah, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. The other thing that we need to find out about when we get his financials is who is sending him money. Now, if it's the Russians, the Saudi Arabians, the North Koreans, or whoever it is, that would tell you one thing, that Donald Trump is beholden to these people, which would explain his talking to Vladimir Putin and believing him over the uh, intelligence agencies in this country or stealing top-secret documents and getting them to our adversarial and enemy countries like, say, Russia, Saudi Arabia, what have you. So you can see the problem that might crop up after uh, we find out that he's getting a fair chunk of money from Russia and some other places. It would explain why he's so accommodating to those folks. Donald Trump's former longtime accounting firm has begun turning over financial records to Congress as part of lawmakers' investigation into the former president's business practices. That was reported by the New York Times on Saturday. Mazers USA cut ties with Trump and his businesses in February um, after the firm said it could no longer stand behind the financial uh, um, information that had been provided by Trump and his operations. It's and, and, you know, the fact of the matter is Donald Trump is just lying 
And when they lie, you get in trouble. And Mazur's probably has some troubles, too. Consequently, um, financial statements Mazar's prepared for Trump from mid-2011 to mid-2020 should no longer be relied upon. That's what the company said. And what happened is they realized that he's been lying to them. And this isn't the first time this has happened. I mean, Donald Trump is a pathological liar. We know his current lawyers in all kinds of trouble because Donald Trump lied to them. Back when the FBI came and took all the top secret documents out of Mar-a-Lago, and they said, we think you have more. And he said, no, I don't have more. And his lawyers drafted a document and signed that document and sweared to the fact that there were no more top secret documents. Yet when the FBI did the search, damned if there weren't more documents. So Mazers is a very well-known financial company. They're already in a little bit of trouble in their time they've spent with Donald Trump. But they finally got tired of it. They threw up their hands and said, fuck it, I, I can't do this anymore. The House Oversight Committee has received a first batch of documents from Mazers following a legal sentiment uh, regarding various financial information from 2014 to 2018. More documents are expected to be provided in the near future, according to the newspaper. They have sent us a number of documents. We are reviewing them, Committee Chair Carolyn Maloney told the New York Times. Mazers is being very cooperative, she added. Well, of course they are. They're in fucking trouble. They have no choice. The lawmaker declined to offer any other specifics. Now, the committee will use the information in its investigation of allegations of conflict of interest when Trump was in office and any possible violations of the Constitution's emoluments clause. The clause prohibits federal officials from receiving payments of significant value or gifts, for that matter, from foreign countries. You think Donald Trump got any gifts or extra money? Yeah, I think he might have. Financial records that must be turned over to Congress under the settlement include any document that indicates false or undisclosed information about Trump or his company's assets, income, or liabilities. Now, let's just step back here for a second. Mazers said, we're done with Donald Trump because we can't trust the documents from 2011 to 2020. And why can't they trust them? Well, because Donald Trump fucking lied. And uh, stupidly, these people should have known better, and that's why they may be in trouble as well. Documents from 2016 to 2018 related to the old post office building, which the former president converted into Trump International Hotel, must also be provided under terms of the settlement. The hotel, once termed the epicenter of corruption by a local watchdog, was frequented by politicians, both domestic and foreign, while Trump was in office. It was kind of a gathering spot for the corrupt. In addition, Mazers must turn over records from 2017 and 2018 related to relationships between Trump's businesses and foreign nations. And you know there are some. I mean, he says, he always comes out and says, Russia, Russia, Russia. Well, we know he had ties to Russia. His son, Eric, pointed it out. But you can never believe what 
comes out of Donald Trump's mouth. So when he tells you something, the chances are it's just the opposite. And with these financial records, they've held out as long as they can, and now they're getting turned over, and Congress is going to see what happened. Not only about his lying and his cheating and stealing, but if, in fact, he's beholden to foreign countries. And that is a serious problem. I mean, if you're going to the FBI or the CIA and you want to be just an agent, they want to find out if you're deep in debt or if you owe money to somebody that might not be appropriate, because then you're vulnerable. You could be blackmailed, have that held over your head. And um, all we can see, it looks like Donald Trump had a lot hanging over his head because he bended over backwards for Russia, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, and probably many others. Mazers cut ties with Trump amid an investigation by New York Attorney General Letitia James into allegations that the Trump Organization has inflated the value of assets to obtain bake loans while undervaluing properties when it came time to pay taxes. That's what he did. He played with the numbers. He cooked the books, if you will. Now, after Mazers ended his relationship with Trump, he claimed the accounting firm had been broken by radical leftist prosecutors, but offered no credible details. Trump battled Congress in court to keep the financial documents secret, but the Oversight Committee announced a settlement for the litigation on September 1. You know, he, he kept telling us how wonderful his business is and how much money he has, but he sure worked very hard for us not to see it. And then when it comes to being that uh, we are going to see it, then he says, yeah, the Democrats, uh, they were involved and they're just lying. You know, at some point, it just seems silly. If every time you get caught on something, you blame it on the radical libtars who are just going after you because they don't like you. I mean, how many times are you going to say that? How many times do you think people are going to believe it? Well, now the base will probably believe it forever. But the vast majority of people, the people of a reasonable mind, will not fucking believe that. And Donald Trump is in some deep trouble. And you can't, you know, you can't fake the numbers. These are documents that were filed with the IRS. So if Donald tells us that it's a lie, it's not true, well, then the IRS has to take a look at it. Fact of the matter is, the IRS is probably going to look deeper into this because Donald Trump essentially stole a lot of money from the United States of America. Let me explain to you again what he does. If he's trying to get a bank loan and he has a building worth $10 million, in order to appear as though he has more collateral, he'll say, that's worth $25, 30000000 million. And then he'll get the collateral and buy whatever he's buying. But when it comes down to claiming it, for taxes with the IRS, you'll say that $10,000 or $10 million building is now really only worth about $2 million, so he can pay less taxes. I mean, this is who Donald Trump is. He's always trying to game the system to his benefit. But Donald Trump always fucking loses. He is a complete and utter failure.
After numerous court victories, I am pleased that my committee has now reached an agreement to obtain key financial documents that former President Trump fought for years to hide from Congress, Maloney said in a statement after the settlement. Now, these documents will inform the committees to uh, get to the bottom of former president's egregious conduct and ensure that future presidents do not abuse their position of power for personal gain. Now, I'm not suggesting that there aren't other politicians who have done something like this. But there's two differences. Probably not to the extent that Donald Trump has done it. And uh, they certainly weren't dumb enough to get caught. That's the one thing we have to understand is that... um, That there's all kinds of there's all kinds of uh, um, corruption going on in our government, and it's been going on for hundreds of years. These people get power and money; they want more power and more money. And we are talking about Democrats and Republicans. This is about politicians, not about party. It just so happens that with Donald Trump and the Republicans. This is some of the worst we've seen. And it's largely due to Donald Trump. A lot of this stuff would never come to light had Donald Trump had enough sense to shut his fucking mouth. But he can't. Perfect example. His house gets searched or raided, whatever you want to call it. Now, the DOJ wasn't going to announce it to the public. It could have gone under the wire. We may not have heard about it at all or for a long time. But Donald Trump just couldn't leave it alone. He had to make a statement, you know, claim victim, and announce it to the world. Well, that opened up all other kinds of possibilities. Then he wanted the search warrant released. They got it released, destroyed Donald Trump. Then they wanted the affidavit released, destroyed Donald Trump. Now he wants the special master. More information comes out. Donald Trump is only good at one thing, being a bully. But if he's dealing with somebody who doesn't respond to a bully the way they would hope, then he's fucking done because he's a coward. They are going to take him down. And let's talk about Donald Trump and how stupid he truly is. The former leader of the free world spoke for 103 minutes at a Saturday campaign rally in Ohio. He's trying to help J.D. Vance beat uh, uh, Ryan for the Senate seat. Now, the interesting thing about J.D. Vance, he ain't doing fuck all. He's not even trying, and he's a nutcase on top of it. So Ryan is uh, doing pretty well in Ohio, so Donald Trump thought he'd stop in and give J.D. Vance a helping hand. I got to think by now that some of these Republican candidates were saying, You know, Donnie, I don't need you right now. Let's just save you until it gets really serious. Donald Trump is not doing anybody any fucking favors at this point. He is a fool. He is a failure. And all he is is a liability at this point when it comes to um, these candidates. Things aren't looking good for the Republicans at this point. So as Donald Trump did this long-winded speech 
and it began to wind down. Dramatic music played while Donald Trump continued speaking. This is deeply, deeply weird, tweeted Tom Nichols of The Atlantic. It really is Jonestown-level stuff. These people are worshipping a real estate developer from Queens who can barely hold a thought in his head, he wrote. This is beyond un-American. It is psychotic. You know, and I have to agree, if you meet some of these Trumple fucks and you talk to them, there's got to be some psychosis going on there. These aren't normal people thinking normal thoughts. They can't relate to logic, truth, or facts at all. They only believe what they want to believe, and as long as it pushes along their agenda, it's got to be true. The conservative writer suggested Democrats run ads featuring Trump's Youngstown rally. I think Democrats should run clips of the weird culty shit that just happened at the Trump rally and ask, is this party the party you want running the country? Trump is the best weapon Democrats have, Nichols wrote. Now, retired four-star General Barry McCaffrey sounded, sounded the alarm. Um, after he watched Donald Trump do what he did there. And and frankly, this isn't any real difference in terms of uh, rallies. They're all pretty much the same. He, he rarely gets new material. But um, this retired general said, astonishing Trump language. The crowd is similar to a Nuremberg rally in 1936. Alala's Trump in office in 2024 election would slide us into autocracy and deny our constitutional safeguards. This is our greatest danger as a nation since 1860, McCaffrey warned. Former Education Secretary Arne Duncan wrote, Very scarily and tragically, this will only get worse. And, you know, and, and they're, they're absolutely right. Washington Post uh, columnist Helene Olin said, A rally or a death cult? This is seriously strange. Also, she said, Notice the empty seats. Will, Will Bunch, a columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer, wrote, Fascism now with music. You know, as scary as this is, what you need to understand is, that Donald Trump is, in fact, losing traction. You know, he has the mouth breeders that uh, continue to follow him, but they are starting to drop off. You know, at one point, we were looking at, um, what, as many as 74 million Republicans voting for Donald Trump in the 2020 election. People always mistake that number as these are all fervent Donald Trump followers, and that's not the case. The amount of people that actually follow and support and believe in Donald Trump are maybe 30% of this country, maybe 32%. The other part of the 74 million people that voted for him voted for him because he was Republican. There are many Republicans out there that just vote Republican because they don't vote Democrat, and that's all they know, and that's all they believe in. Their dad, their grandpa, their great-grandpa, they all voted Republican, so they're voting Republican. They thought, well, 
Somebody as crazy as Donald Trump as a Republican is better than any Democrat. Well, now they're starting to have to look at this and think about those thoughts. Is that really true? When you see a man try to attempt a coup over his own country to steal top secret documents and distribute it to uh, adversarial and uh, enemy countries, a lot of those people that voted for him in 2020 are going, shit, we can't stand with this. That's not going to work. We can't do that. And one of the things that the Republicans really need to do if they hope to win any elections, they need to get some independence going their way. I mean, we've talked about this before. Of course, there are more Democrats than there are Republicans. And yes, I know there's gerrymandering and suppression of votes and such like that. And we have to be concerned about that. I think the real way to beat Donald Trump is in huge numbers. That's what it took in 2020. We had an unprecedented amount of people coming out and voting. An unprecedented amount of people voting for Joe Biden. Nobody has had more votes when he ran for president than Joe Biden. But here's the crazy weird thing. Had Joe Biden not gotten 81 million votes, Donald Trump got 74 million votes. At that point, Donald Trump would have had more votes than any other president in history. It just so happens that uh, Joe Biden beat him by 7 million votes. This country has spent a lot of years with apathy, people not going out to vote, whether it be the presidential election or the midterms. People thought, fuck it, I'll just sit home. We'll let somebody else handle it. Well, when 2020 came around, people thought differently about this. They got scared and they stepped up and went to the voting booth and voted. That's why we got so many people voting. Now, people will tell you that, of course, midterms, there's less people that vote, but I'm not so sure that's going to happen because the fear is still there. We're fighting for our democracy in this midterm election. Should the Republicans get any kind of power, we're in trouble. And people understand this. You throw in the fact that they tried to over, or they did overturn Roe v. Wade. They tried to create a coup against our country and Now Donald Trump with his documents. You got Lindsey Graham spouting his mouth, doing everything he can to hurt the Republicans. I've said this before. I don't see anything that the Republicans have done in the last two years that are going to garner them votes. And frankly, in 2020, they lost. You can tell me about history and all that, and they're going to take the midterms. Mitch McConnell has all but conceded the Senate. I think it's fair to expect that uh, Democrats will maintain and even expand some power in the Senate. The House, I understand, is a little sketchier situation. Of course, the voting and the gerrymandering and all that stuff could end up telling a different story. But I think that if we have a turnout like we saw in 2020, the sheer numbers will be just too much for them to game the system. They won't be able to do it. So that's what I'm hoping for. And and so what that means is the Democrats have to take the next month and a half, two months, and scare the shit out of people, expose everything that's going on, 
from the top secret documents to the coup to the January 6th committee to the DOJs. Expose all the crime and corruption and the lies by the Republicans and pound on it for the next month and a half. Whenever you turn on a television station or a radio station or the Internet, you should be seeing something that explains the corruption that the Democrats have been involved in. Then you throw in the fact that Rick Scott, he is the one in charge for the Senate to get more Republicans in the Senate. And, of course, he has his 11-point plan, and two of the high points in that plan is to ultimately get rid of Social Security and Medicare. Now, this isn't a partisan issue. There are just as many Republicans surviving on Social Security and Medicare. You know, it's kind of like this... uh, situation with these immigrants that Ron DeSantis sent to um, Martha's Vineyard. He thinks he's doing something there, and for those uh, mouth-breeding, stupid fucking sons of bitches, the Trumplifucks, yeah, he's their hero. And even Ron DeSantis has sat back and said, I've nothing to hide. Yes, give me credit for it, and I'm happy about it. He's not even capable of seeing that the vast majority of people think he's an animal, think he's a villain. I don't really know what the story is or why they're trying to do it this way. Maybe they think if they can whip up their base enough, they'll get more and more people in the base to vote, and that will somehow cause them to win an election. But the fact of the matter is, is there's just not enough of them. You can whip them up all you want, but you're not going to get any fucking wear. It's just not going to happen. All right, we will take a quick break and we will be right back. As I said, this show's kind of weird for me because I'm not sitting where I'd normally be sitting. I'm not sitting in a comfortable chair. I'm sitting in a sunroom on what will be a day bed, which is essentially a mattress. And I've got the computer and the microphone (laughs) on a bar stool. That kind of takes away all the uh, mystery, doesn't it? But that's what we have to do here, and I promised I would, so here I am, and we're doing it. The other thing I got going on here, and I'm not sure where that's coming from, my voice seems, to me, a little raspy, kind of Brenda Vaccaro-like. <laughs> now, unless you're a boomer, you won't understand that reference. Brenda Vaccaro did a lot of commercials. She's an old-time actress. I think she's passed away now, but she had a very raspy, very sexy voice. I'm not suggesting that because it's raspy, that makes my voice sexy. It's just fucking different, and it's a little weird when I have to deal with that. Well, hopefully it won't affect uh, what you're hearing on your end as much as it does on mine. All right, former President Trump on Saturday said Ohio... Senate candidate J.D. Vance is in love with him and kissing my ass for support, comparing the GOP candidate's change of heart toward him to North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. Now, you'll remember that J.D. Vance, who's going up against, uh, I believe it's Tim Ryan uh, in Ohio for the Senate seat. Ryan is a Democrat. J.D. Vance is a Republican. 
He's not a politician in any sense of the word. He's a an author. He had a movie, Hillbilly Elegy. And this guy is just a fucking nutcase. Now, when he originally came out, he said he hated Donald Trump. He wouldn't support Donald Trump. He thought Donald Trump sucked. But then soon after that, Donald Trump worked out a deal and he ended up getting uh, Trump's endorsement, which may or may not be a good thing. But uh, as Donald Trump said, (laughs) he had to point this out, too, because he remembers J.D. Vance saying that Trump is a bad guy. So then he comes out with saying, J.D. Vance is in love with him and kissing my ass for support. (laughs) Wow, he's doing a political rally to help J.D. Vance. And what's he do? He points out that J.D. Vance flip-flops and that now he's in love with Donald Trump. Oh, thanks for all the help, Donnie. During a Saturday night rally for Vance in Youngstown, Ohio, Trump refuted a New York Times story that suggested some candidates, including Vance, were not inviting him to rallies over concerns about alienating swing voters. And uh, frankly, that's an excellent point. Well, Donald Trump goes on to say, J.D. is kissing my ass. He wants my support, Trump said, rallying against the fake news story. The entire MAGA movement is for J.D. Vance. The former president went on to call Vance a great person who I've really gotten to know, disputing any lingering friction between the two Republicans. Vance was a vocal critic of Trump before he ran for office. The thing is, Donald Trump doesn't know this guy. Nobody knows this fucking guy. He doesn't get close to anybody. But for Donald Trump, what he sees here is that If he can endorse J.D. Vance and he wins, somehow that gives him power. Yeah, you said some bad things about me, but that was before he knew me and then fell in love. (laughs) Donald Trump loves that. I, I, I don't understand that reference. Trump said on Saturday, remember, I said that about Kim Jong Un. He fell in love. And they said, oh, Trump is saying he fell in love. Actually, he did. If you want to know the truth. Donald Trump uh, just can't let it go. Even though it makes him look stupid, he still has to hold on to it. Trump has often said that he and North Korean uh, dictator Kim Jong-un fell in love after exchanging a series of beautiful letters amid tensions between the U.S. and the pariah state. Vance, a venture capitalist, former U.S. Marine and author of a hit memoir, Hillbilly Elegy, beat out a crowd crowded field of Republican candidates this year to win Trump's endorsement for the seat of retiring Rob Portman. Now, it's an important thing to remember, Rob Portman is a Republican, and uh, if Tim Ryan were to beat J.D. Vance, that would flip Ohio. That would flip another Senate seat and give, uh, hopefully give the Democrats more of a margin. Now, the GOP candidate is four points ahead of Democratic challenger Tim Ryan, according to the latest polling from The Hill and Emerson College. Last year, Vance said Trump respects candidates who have had their own ideas, adding that uh, although the former president gets a certain kick out of people kissing his ass, he sometimes views those people as weak. 
he actually wants to see the race play out a little bit and see who among us is the strongest of the candidates, Vance told NBC News in July of 2021. That's bullshit. He is well aware that I criticized him in 2016. He's also well aware that I've been on TV the last few years defending critical parts of his agenda when other people were not. So all you're telling us, J.D., is you're a flip-flopper. You're in it for your own benefit. You don't care what's true or fact or anything. Trump won Ohio by eight points in both 2016 and 2020's presidential elections. But the Buckeye State is showing signs of returning to a swing state for Democrats. On, on, uh, On Saturday, Trump described Vance as a brilliant mind and said the GOP candidate, would win the Senate race. This is a very important race, Trump said. You're going to hear wailing from every corporate newsroom from New York to Washington, D.C., and you're going to hear crying Chuck Schumer howling in rage. This is what Donnie Trump does when he's worried, and the Republicans should be worried. As much as Tim Ryan is down by four points in Ohio for the Senate seat, It shouldn't even be close. It absolutely shouldn't even be fucking close. But because of Donald Trump and because J.D. Vance has been lazy and hasn't done a fucking thing, that's why it's so close. And it's conceivable that Tim Ryan could beat J.D. Vance. Tim Ryan is in the House of Representatives currently, and if you've ever heard him speak, you know he's a pretty sharp guy. He's a very articulate guy. And uh, he can sway some votes. Clearly he has, because with uh, only a 4% deficit, that's, uh, that's within the margin of error. So who knows how it's all going to go down. We know we can't trust polls, so it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. But I got to tell you, having Donald Trump show up, and say that the candidate is kissing his ass and that he's in love with Donald Trump. Somehow, I don't think that's a big help to J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance needs to step up and fucking do some shit, do some campaigning other than this bullshit if he hopes to win this race. But honestly, if he wants to lay back and let it happen, I'm all for it. We don't need any more competition than we already have. This is one of those situations like I've talked about before. We want the crazy Trump endorsees to run against Democrats because it gives the Democrats a better chance. Normal people, people of a reasonable mind, people that don't cotton to insurrection and treason are going to be bending toward the Democrats, not because they are Democrat or they even like Democrats. They just don't want to be associated with what's going on in the Republican Party. All right, now lawmakers are frustrated about being kept in the dark as Democratic leaders strategize how to jimmy an energy deal struck with Senator Joe Manchin behind closed doors with Congress while also averting a government shutdown. Democratic leadership is aiming to use a must-pass government funding bill to advance an energy permitting proposal by Manchin by the end of the month. 
But with roughly two weeks standing between Congress and the critical funding deadline, tensions are simmering over the closely kept negotiations. And this is something I don't quite understand. I don't like Manchin. I don't trust anything he does. But the fact is they cut a deal with him. And they should not try to back out of it. Not because I mind Manchin getting his ass kicked. I would love to see Manchin get his ass kicked. But here's the deal. As long as Manchin is a sticking point with the Democrats, we might as well get as much out of it as we possibly can before the midterms. And God help us if we have a government shutdown. That ain't going to help the Democrats. It's going to help the Republicans because it will be the Democrats that caused it. I don't know why they're playing these fucking games. I don't know if it's the far left, the progressives that are pushing this. What they should do is get the deal passed. And if Manchin gets something he shouldn't have, well, so be it. Let's let's do this and fight another day. Let's win the midterms. We've got everything going for the Democrats and everything going against the Republicans. Why in the world would you give up something like this? This is fucking ridiculous. We don't know what it is. They haven't released the text. They don't give us the detailed explanation, Senator Shelley Moore Capito told The Hill this week. So I don't know how you could ask people to vote for something. They don't know what it is. There's a reason they're keeping it a secret. It's either still being negotiated or it's so weak it has no meaning or it's too strong for other people, she added. Only a broad outline of Manchin's plan has been released. Well, this isn't new news. This shit happens all the time. I mean, when you look at bills that are hundreds of pages long, do you really think the candidates read those, or the, uh, the uh, representatives or senators actually read that fucking bill? These are all deals put together on the side. They don't read that shit. And that's how things get slipped in and people get fooled. But these folks have to understand the bigger picture here. We need this final win in order to win in the midterms. When everything is going your way and everything is going wrong for the Republicans, why would you give them something? Why would you take a loss just on principle? I mean, I'm as principled as the next guy. But the bottom line is you have to take a look at the situation. Can you win? Maybe not. And why at this point would you risk not winning when you've got everything going your way? Now, this um, outline includes setting maximum timelines for environmental review processes to uh, for energy projects, which advocates say would undercut the analysis required for a project's approval and weaken community involvement. Other components would make it harder for states to block projects that run through their waters and require the president to pick a balanced list of energy project, projects that should be prioritized. Are you getting it? It's fucking confusing. Nobody knows what the fuck is up. And unfortunately, that's business as usual in Congress. Saying nothing new. The outline says that a natural gas pipeline that runs through West Virginia, 
known as the Mountain Valley Pipeline, would be completed. You notice the location on that? West Virginia. That's where Joe Manchin is from. He is a senator for West Virginia. They needed Joe Manchin to vote for this bill, so they gave him a prize, a present, that he can take back to his people. And that's what happens in Congress. It's all about horse trading. I'll give you this, but you got to give me that. Remember the bridge to nowhere? This is how that shit happens. Somebody's got little power, temporary power like Manchin, and he asks for these little pork projects for his own home state. Now, I'm all for helping individual states. There are needs out there. There are states that have troubles that need to be addressed. But something like this is just a bullshit thing, a give-me for uh, Joe Manchin, so he votes their way. So now the progressives are a little troubled by it because there aren't enough specifics. And, you know, I can see that. But in the absence of official text, lawmakers from both sides of the aisle are complaining that they don't know what they're debating. So when is that? When is that? Since when is that a new thing? Representative Raul Grijalva, who is leading the left-wing opposition to Manchin's reforms, said he'd be open to negotiating a package if it will provide protections for communities that face high pollution burdens. Still, he expressed frustration that the details of Manchin's proposals haven't been spelled out. We're negotiating in the dark, and all the cards are held by the Senate, and we're just supposed to react, Grijalva told the Hill. I mean, I get their problem. I understand it completely. How do you vote for something when you don't know? And the real question is, why don't you know? Well, that's how Joe Manchin works things. He has got to be one of the slimiest senators senators in the U.S. Senate. He knows how to play the game. He knows how to use leverage. He knows he has a little power. This is why I've said a hundred times. People will say, well, I hope Joe Manchin gets voted out of office. First of all, that's not going to happen. Second of all, him getting voted out isn't a plus for the Democrats. As much as he seems Republican, he is still more Democrat than anybody that would replace him. This is a very red state. So what would happen is we'd get a Republican in there, and then the Republicans would have the majority. So you can understand why that wouldn't be a good option. He said he's seeking a meeting with leadership to negotiate and also plans to reach out to Manchin. Pressed on Thursday whether the text would be released before legislation is unveiled for the funding bill, Manchin told The Hill he believes it will be released in the, uh, in the CR, referring to the continuing resolution, which is expected to push the government funding deadline to December as the midterm cycle picks up. A continuing resolution is a short-term spending bill that keeps spending at present levels. So here's the deal. you got a bill now that has to pass in order to continue with current spending. They don't feel like they have the bill to continue it all set yet in total. 
So what they do is they create another smaller bill that allows the things that are currently being paid out to continue to be paid out until they come up with some resolution with the real bill. It's, you know, it's typical. This shit happens all the time. This stuff has happened a couple of times during the Biden presidency. As for when and how the funding bill will be brought up for consideration, much appears to be up in the air as top leaders indicate those details are still being hashed out. Senator Richard Shelby, top Republican on the Senate Appropriations Committee, speculated that the CR might not drop until probably closer to the end of the month, which he noted would uh, up the pressure on both sides to pass a CR before funding lapses. However, he raised doubts about whether Manchin's permitting measure will make it to the larger funding package. And frankly, if they can't get this thing done, this may be the best option. If they can push it beyond the midterms, probably a better thing. Like I say, the last thing we need, meaning Democrats, is to have uh, the government shut down. That's not going to be good for anybody, especially the Democrats. He pointed to a separate permitting proposal released by Capito and other Republicans this past week as an alternative. It's not totally clear how different the Capito and Manchin plans will be, though Manchin has suggested his plan will be similar to the plan from his fellow West Virginia senator. She dropped the marker on the same lines of what we've done, Manchin said. He also expressed that the Republicans lining up behind her proposal, which was which has backing from over 40 GOP members, will translate to support for the funding bill if it includes permitting reform. Such support could also translate to the House where there is significant Democratic opposition to the plan. It means that basically Democrats and Republicans are in the same mindset of going permitting and why it's so important. And hopefully she's able to bring at least 20 of them, Manchin said. Like uh, Manchin's outline, the Capito legislation would limit environmental review timelines, restrict states, authorities to block projects, and require the completion of the Mountain Valley Pipeline. It also goes further, preventing the federal government from restricting an oil and gas extraction known as fracking that has been linked to water contamination. And it would also allow states to take over authority from the federal government of energy production on public lands. Some in the GOP view the Capito legislation as a starting point for negotiations, while others appear less willing to meet Manchin in the middle. But as Manchin's efforts are still seen as their best shot to get any kind of reform done, they may eventually coalesce around his proposal. This is uh, business as usual in Congress. And we don't want anything that's going to cause problems for the Democrats going into the midterms. This is an absolutely crucial election. Our democracy is hanging in the balance. And if we don't get everything going our way and get the midterms to turn out the way I think they will, we're in some deep trouble. Very 
deep trouble. All right, let's talk about Lauren Boebert, that dipshit. Local Colorado broadcasters addressed local Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, who is up for re-election, along with her colleagues, but those back home take issue with how bad she's making the state look. Oh, just now you're starting to notice that? Now you think she's making you look bad? Republican analyst Michael Fields attacked the moderator at the recent debate with Boebert and claimed that it didn't matter because she would be reelected anyway. Literally, the only argument that Michael has is that we should have better moderators. <laughs> Lauren Boebert is a stupid piece of shit and we need better moderators. That makes sense. Democratic strategist Andy Boy- Boyan shot back, she's a joke. This whole reality that she's mocking her congressional seat. She's a United States congresswoman. And to act like that is an embarrassment to Colorado. It's an embarrassment to the 3rd Congressional District. It's an embarrassment to the country. She's a joke. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a joke. Both should be voted out. I don't think, unfortunately, Boebert is going to be voted out this time. But the only response Republicans have is, we should look at the moderator. I mean, give me a break. You've got to look at the actual person in the job doing the work. He has no defense for Lauren Boebert. She is a fucking clown. And I think that's a good assessment. Boebert appeared at a debate Sunday where she constantly spoke about Speaker Nancy Pelosi. What Nancy Pelosi has to do with her re-election is fucking unknown. Finally, her opponent, Adam Frisch, had to cut in and remind her that his name was Adam, not Nancy. When she finally got around to attacking her opponent, she complained about the inner workings of the Aspen City government, where he apparently is an official. Now, he seems relatively normal. After the debate, Frisch told the Aspen Daily News on Sunday that Boebert is fishing hard and inner workings of Aspen City government aren't big on the district's concerns. How in the world does Lauren Boebert win another election? I mean, she was kind of like Donald Trump. Um, She was kind of like Donald Trump in that she was different and people were um, people were looking for a change. So they voted for her just like they voted for Donald Trump. But then once they get in and they see how horrible these people are, how in the world do they vote for them again? I don't know that they will. I don't know that she has a great chance of winning. I don't know who her opponent is. He sounds like he's smarter and more realistic than Lauren Boebert, but frankly, anybody would be. Rolling Stone reported Sunday that former President Donald Trump is not happy with Ron DeSantis, who some say will use his 2022 win to propel himself to the Republican nomination for president in 2024. DeSantis tried to throw himself into the same stunt that Governor Greg Abbott was doing, shipping immigrants and refugees to other cities around the country and politicizing it with Fox. 
And we know that story. It put DeSantis in a difficult position, commentators said, so he went to Texas to ship the immigrants to Martha's Vineyard instead of immigrants in Florida. One of those was a one-year-old baby. He didn't give a fuck about the people. He didn't care about the baby. It has become a major news story, of course, for the past several days, with immigrants' rights groups revealing that the migrants were lied to about where they were going, what was happening. Some told they were being taken to Boston. Others had appointments to appear in immigration courts in Seattle, but were shipped to the Northeast instead. They were setting these people up to fail. They set up appointments in Seattle, sent them to Martha's Vineyard, and then when they didn't show up, they could do whatever the fuck they wanted to him. This is who these people are. Now, Trump is furious, not because of the stunt using human beings as political pawns, but because DeSantis has become the new Fox star. They don't give a shit about Donald Trump anymore. Everybody's jumping on DeSantis bandwagon, at least those of the trump um ilk. So, Donald Trump, you know, anytime somebody gets more attention than he does, he loses his shit. Trump has fumed over all the praise DeSantis's action has been receiving in influential conservative circles lately. The report said he has privately accused DeSantis of doing this largely to generate 2024 polling boost for himself among GOP voters. And I find this ironic. Donald Trump still thinks that he may be running for president in 2024. I don't see how that's even possible. That's not going to happen. And to be perfectly honest, I'd be surprised if Ron DeSantis is running in 2024. Now, Trump has been trying to use the search warrant executed at his country club in Florida to raise money. Something horrible as this happens, and he's trying to raise money with his legal defense fund and paint himself as a victim, as he typically does. He was also also said to be fuming that the whole idea was his and not DeSantis or Abbott's. See, this is how Donald Trump thinks. This event that DeSantis created by sending these undocumented immigrants to Martha's Vineyard, amongst the mouth breathers, he's getting a lot of play, but 75% of this country think it's absolutely appalling. And Donald Trump is envious of the acclaim that DeSantis is giving from this small crowd of people. He doesn't even really care if this is going to hurt him in the election, DeSantis and or Donald Trump. He wants credit. DeSantis scored big amongst the idiots, and he wants his peace. The move by the GOP governors has eliminated the coverage Trump is getting on conservative outlets, which dramatically cuts into his fundraising. It comes at a time that those inside Trump world say that former president thinks he should be dominating the news. While neither Trump nor DeSantis has declared they're running for president, Trump has indicated he's all in, but hasn't officially announced. Trump's biggest ploy to get rid of DeSantis in 2024 could be stopping him this year, but Trump has been unwilling to go that far and maybe to his own detriment as many GOP voters see DeSantis as a more intelligent version of Trump. And, you know, I guess he is. 
He is a more intelligent version of Trump. But that's not like it's a good thing. It's not a good thing. Frankly, if he's a more intelligent version of Donald Trump, all that means is he's more dangerous. But as I've said before, if people are putting their money behind Ron DeSantis is running in 2024, you may want to look at it. Ed and I were talking about this. You know, people are wondering about Joe Biden. Will he run in 2024? And I don't think he will. He'll be 82 years old. What would be the point? He said when he came in that he was a transitional president to get rid of Donald Trump and get back on a more normal track. I think from the beginning, he thought he'd come in here, be president for four years, and then help somebody to win the election in 2024, whether that be Kamala Harris or whoever. I think when we get to 2024, that's two years out, a little more than two years out. I think we have no idea who will be the candidates on either side. We may have no idea who the candidates are. I don't think it's going to be Ron DeSantis because he's got a lot of other problems that will stop him ultimately. And we don't even know if he's going to win the governorship in November. If he doesn't, that's going to put a hitch in a lot of his plans. So don't bet the house on Ron DeSantis being the presidential candidate. Definitely don't bet the house on Donald Trump because I don't think there's any way that Donald Trump will be the candidate. Even if somehow he survives all this shit coming down on him, the Republicans don't want him as a candidate anymore. They aren't going to back him. They're going to want somebody new. Donald Trump has done nothing but cause the Republicans all kinds of problems. They're tired of that shit and they want to get something else. Now, DeSantis may be the one they're choosing now, but again, we're two years out. It's impossible. It's impossible to predict at this point how this will all shake out ultimately. All right, we are going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time you did to spend with us. I hope you have a great day. We'll be back again tomorrow. And once again tomorrow, we'll be from Savannah, Georgia. So as I say, if there's some differences you're noticing in this podcast, just bear with me, man. I'm going to be. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.